Hello and welcome to The Falcon, a footy podcast. I'm your host, Clarky, and joining me as always, I've got the wonderful Jesse Monroe. I have the cleanest hair today. That's, you know what? You, you do look particularly sparkly. Thank you. And I've also got the effervescent Chris Lowry. I don't have the cleanest hair today. Look, that's fine. We'll work. Maybe Jesse can shampoo you. Well, I'll, I'll shampoo and condition your hair while we record. Frisky. Mm. This is, we're all about bonding here at the Falcon. Now, gentlemen, this week we are here to talk about the Fremantle Football Club. And some of the listeners may know this, uh, but I have another wildly successful podcast uh, that is super coach focused called The Footy Mailbag. And my wonderful, wonderful co-host on that show is one man, Damo. And we've brought in Damo as our wonderful man out west to talk about the Fremantle Football Club. Damo, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Doing a good job with these team podcasts. Glad to be here for Fremantle. Clarky, good to have you here. I sh- uh, good to have you here, mate. It's not my podcast. It's, it's, it's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving this time. It's yours now. Feel free to take over at any time so somebody knows what the fuck they're doing. Okay. And I can't lie, when he was doing the intros, I thought he almost said it was the footy mailbag. <laughs> no, it's good to mention the footy mailbag though, Damo. This is this is cross collaboration. This is what we want. Damo, do you find it hard on a week like when you guess another podcast to not be like, okay, because of course I need to do hosting stuff? Like it it took me so long to not naturally try and host things. As Clarky would have tested when I tried to take over the podcast, I apologize, Clarky. In this in this situation, it is hard because usually I'm the one driving when 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 Clark is inv- involved. I haven't been on a podcast where Clark has been the one behind the wheel. So, um, but he, he's been doing a great job so far. So I'm just going to sit back and let him coach me through. Well, we well, cut the brakes. So <laughs> things are going to get real. Yeah, this is like uh, being in the passenger well, seat and then hearing. <laughs> Hearing the driver crunch the gears. And I go, yeah, no, it's fine. My car just makes that noise. It's meant to sound like that. Yeah. No, I have all the vents taped up. It just, it needs to be that way. It's aerodynamic. Too much air <laughs> in is bad for the car. Now, before we get into the footy chat, Damo, you're you're a man who I have shared a lot of music with. You've shared a lot of music with me. Jesse, you've also, we've oh, we've got like a little, little trio. Damo has chat showed me some yeah. of my favorite bands the last few years. It's been fantastic. I thought this week we could uh, we could break some of the ice and talk about our hottest 100 votes because it's that time of the year we're coming up to hottest 100 day and I know that the three of us have all done ours. Uh, Chris, I know that you haven't, uh, <laughs> but I did ask you to pre prepare a list of songs that you enjoyed, uh, including but not limited to the Chattanooga Choo Choo. <laughs> it's uh, just all Daft Punk, put, now. yeah, putting on the bricks, yeah. <laughs> Um, but Damo, I wanted to ask you, was there anything that surprised you with your voting for the Hottest 100 this year, or was there anything that you were like, oh, you know what, I actually got back around and this has gone on my list, I enjoyed that. Look, let me just bring up who I voted for, because I forgot. <laughs> just it's to, a bit to like pull the curtain here as well, so we discussed, you know, talking about this, because we like to have a little topic at the start of each episode, and Chris is like, nah, none of it. Chris, we are, over the last few episodes, we're really painting the portrait of a cunt because you hate Australian music, you hate chicken nuggets. Like, Chris, he hates the GWS like? song. You hate the GWS song because of social media, you fucking boomer. Hey, hang on, like? hang on, hang on. What's I good never in Chris's said, world? I never said that I hated chicken nuggets or that I hated the GWS song. I said that they are mid-tier 
and they have Chris- been they have been overborne by social media. The way I edited the podcast, it certainly sounded like you said you hated them. <laughs> Mr. Okay. Simpson, no. <laughs> Dramatization may not have happened. The hottest 100, I have never voted in. Uh, I, I've never listened to it. I don't understand it. What do you mean you don't understand it? <laughs> the 100 songs. Yeah, but there are 100 songs I've never from heard of. I don't, I don't understand it. Where have these songs come from? Where, who are these people? Chris, go back to being quiet. Damo, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll give Chris a little bit of a pass with what are these songs, who are these artists, because I don't I, because I don't consume because I don't consume my music the same way as most other people. Where the only radio I seem to get is whatever's played at my work. So whatever station someone's clicked play on on Digital Radio Plus, that's pretty much what I listen to that that day. And a lot of the time it is literally just 92.9 where they play the same Taylor Swift song about 99 times in an hour. Hell yeah. But my votes are um, I voted for uh, Cool About It by Boy Genius um, I had to. Yes. I had to choose a Boy Genius song. That album is one of my favorites of the year. Had to. H- had to pick one of that. Um, I also picked "Love from the Other Side," "Fallout Boy." I know, Clarky, that's on your list. That's um, my album of the year. <laughs> um, I voted for "Oil" by uh, from Gorillaz. Um, that that, was good. that album's probably one of their best since Demon Days. Uh, oh. I voted for Strangers um, by Kenya Grace. I heard this one by chance. I, I heard this one by chance on the radio station and um, then they kept playing it and then I decided that I liked it. Um, then the next song was Looking Out by King Stingray. Um, King Stingray rule. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I, mean- I love that they brought in didgeridoos for that song because it works so well. Hell yeah. Um, my next vote was Neck Deep, um, It Won't Be Like This Forever. Not their best song, but it was there, so I voted for it. Uh, Enough Is Enough, Post Malone, Oscar Winning Tears, Ray, Michael Keaton by Rustin Kelly. And I couldn't think of something, and I couldn't think of a 10th song to vote for. So I went for a song that I wouldn't mind being number one, even though I don't particularly like this artist very much. Um, Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat. That's the one that surprised. That's a curveball, bro. That's that's a massive curveball. Of all the songs that could be number one, that's the one that I wouldn't mind being number one. I'd mind. Oh, oh all right. No, fuck you, Clarky. Your negativity. Damo, that rules. Okay, now I'm just pic- picturing Damo sl- dropping to some Doja. <laughs> Damo can drop drop that thing, as we all know. I don't know who seventy percent of those people were. Chris, you don't know who seventy percent of people are. And I, ha- I haven't heard any of those songs. How man. The Chris is like, who are these people voting for these <laughs> out of these millions of songs that could possibly be on there? See, I think, uh, Chris, we've been talking about, you know, live music and stuff a fair bit lately because there's been a lot of shows. And to sum up Chris's taste in music, all the bands he likes are doing final tours or looking into how AI can keep their careers going, <laughs> a la Kiss. Have you guys heard about what Kiss did? Or they're dead. Or they're dead. I mean, you forgot that one. No, I I currently feel like Grandpa Simpson right now. Like with the, I used to be with it, and then they changed what it was, and now it what's it, it seems scary and weird. So, Damo, you happy? You happy with the, how that list ended up? 
Yeah, I think so. I had to add um, one of the songs in, but most of what I voted for was already on the website, so I think it's got a good chance of appearing. I think that's a really good feature that they um, they made it a little easier to do, because I remember last year it was a bit of a mess around to try and add your own songs, because I had to do the same thing this year with one of mine um, for a Melbourne band called Mitzi. Um, like really small band, but they released a, a single this year that was just like an absolute earworm for me. Isn't that the thing that Mitsubishi tried to get going? It's a Mitzi. No, cut that, cut that, cut that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> I'm gonna mute my mic and shut up now. So, Damo, it brings us to the the whole reason why we brought you here. Tell me, why do you go for the Fremantle Football Club? Oh yeah, we're on a sports podcast. That's all right. Yeah, sports, baby. <laughs> We'll see if it stays that way. Yeah, um, well, so my, my parents signed me up for a membership when I was old enough to go to games. So I, I was a member. I, I, in fact, I've been a member since 1999. Um, and so that was when I was five or turning five. And ever since then, I've been a Frio fan. And I was, and my parents weren't Frio fans bef- before I came along. My mum supported um, the bombers, and yes. and my dad supported the hawks. Um, and but, why did they sign you up for a Frio membership? I don't know. I'll need to ask them one day when uh, when oh. when. But but we all went as we all went as a as as a family. Like me, my two sisters, my and my parents. We would all go and sit in the three tier stand at Subiaco Oval, right behind the goals, about halfway up the first tier, halfway up the first level. And we would go to every home game um, up until the middle of high school when we all were having our first jobs and were too busy to actually go to games anymore. And um, it meant that we didn't get reserved seat memberships back um, then because we weren't ended going to games. But yeah, I mean, the club is one of those clubs where it was nice to get in on the ground floor and it felt like that's what my parents thought that they were doing. And the club actually didn't do too well when they first entered the, the competition because, well, they went bankrupt a couple of times or they almost went bankrupt a couple of times. They kept changing their list. They kept trading players in and out. The The list was almost t- totally different year, year on year because they were doing that many list changes. They didn't have a very smart list manager when they first um, got into the competition. But from about 1999 was when they became a real serious club, and that's when they did a real big membership push. And my parents were obviously um, were obviously uh, enamoured by their membership camp campaign and signed me and my fam- family up all at once and been a fan since then. So, did you did you follow football prior to becoming a member? Or I can't remember. I, I honestly can't remember. That means lifelong follower, baby. I'll take it. It's it's quite cool that you know you became a member. Of- basically when you started following football, because you were definitely one of the most sort of uh, knowledgeable football fans I know. You know Fremantle back to front. It's cool how young that started. I like that. Yeah, I mean... Why did my parents give me that? I've And, and we've had <laughs> friends of the family and people who have become friends of the family be- from, from working at Fremantle. So I know things from when the club did... Ho- uh, traveled interstate in like 2009 that no one else knows about give us the goth we'll beep it out <laughs> um no you, you you could probably um you, you could probably say this story so oh, um 
it's, it, it, it's, it's not a scandal, but Hayden Ballantyne loved playing pranks on the players when they went interstate, and he would do. And and, and one night it was like two a.m. in the morning. They were there on the Friday, but the game was until the Sunday or something. And so, and and he thought he'd have a little little bit of fun. And so he would get like things from his hotel room and just put them outside the door of other players and just knock on the door and run away. And one night he didn't realize that one of the rooms that he was knocking on belonged to um, the coach. And when the coach opened the door, all the items that had been put outside other players' hotel rooms, he he had a key for, for everyone else's room. So he opened Hayden Ballantyne's door, <laughs> threw everything in, and then sh- and then slammed the door shut. I like that Hayden Ballantyne was a prick also to his own players. Damo, I want you to talk to us. What what would you say is your earliest memory of the football club? My earliest memory, the first derby that the Dockers, or one of the first derbies that the Dockers won, the West Australian was really pushing West Coast to. To, to down the Dockers by hundred plus points, they were this this club's useless, etc. 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 And they were handing out these little blue footballs at the at, at at the game for for free because they thought West Coast were surefire winners. West Coast was going to win, no worries. Dockers ended up winning that game by thirty one points. So on the ball that so we so we got given one of these blue balls walking into the stadium, and I still have that blue ball somewhere. And so on the ball, we've written the score line and it is sitting somewhere in a box or on a shelf somewhere. But it was it was just a really bad oversight by the West to uh, not to, by the West Australian newspaper to not um, to not make purple balls as well as blue balls. Well, <laughs> look, it was a good sign because um, when it comes to grand finals, you've had blue balls ever since. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've done it. The best record we're making a podcast. Can I just ask, for, if, as a Victorian, as an outsider, what is the rivalry in the Derby like in Western Australia? Because I feel like as Victorians, we don't think that it's like that bad. Like, yeah, it's a Derby. There's a rivalry. It's yeah, but what is it actually like being there? Okay, right now the there there is no rivalry. <laughs> right now there is no rivalry. The Dockers. That's fair. The, the Dockers have a, have more of a rivalry with a club with Geelong than they do West Coast. Um, but back in, back in, back in like the, th- the two thousands, early and early nineties, things got heated. There was a game that they call the demolition derby, where I think about, there was like 18 charges across both teams where, where some people got suspended for like nine games. Some people got suspended for fines galore, suspensions galore. And that's kind of, and it, while those players still played for the club or, had or was still there while other players were still at the club that rivalry sort of stuck in but now that none of those players are really at the clubs any and anymore there's that fire isn't really around so the rivalry hasn't really been there to be completely honest like they try and drum it up in the media they try and have those press conferences that try and look like the one they do before the grand final but it doesn't quite work because the rivalry just doesn't really exist anymore and it's because one team's usually at the top of the ladder, or the other team's at the bottom, or vice versa. And I mean, last season, both teams were were, were down the bottom, and no one really wanted to watch the game. <laughs> so, look, we'll swing around to 
better times rather than you at the bottom of the ladder. Can you tell me, Damo, what what are some of your favourite memories of the club? One of my favourite memories of the club is probably around 2010. Um, The club made the elimination final against Hawthorne and... That was when we saw every, every everything come to get together as 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 one to and it was probably the most complete game the club has ever played and and I'm putting that in probably one of my top five games that the club has ever played and and because it was elimination final and it was at Subiaco Oval the seats were limited so I wasn't actually at the game but watching the game live on to, on on television. I saw Aaron Sandilands shepherd a Hawthorne player, and this Hawthorne player went flying across the boundary. <laughs> like, like that's like that's like this club knew each each other so well, and what each other wanted to do on the on the field that they were able to work for each other as well as, um, you know, it was it was almost one of those games that made you feel good to be a supporter and be like, yeah, this club's going somewhere good. But at this at the same time, the club like the club needs to time their runs better for success because they've probably timed their runs at the worst possible time twice. <laughs> we'll get into some of your favorite players off the back of that. So you mentioned Aaron Sandilands. He's, yep. he's one that sort of comes up when I think of Frio. Yeah. Sandy. <laughs> so do you want like a top five? Hey, you, you can tell me whatever your heart desires. Damo, who are some of your favorite players, past or present? Who comes to mind? Who's who's your, like, this is my Frio guy? Okay, this so so I can't narrow it down to just five. So I'm just going to reel off some. That's I'm fine. Just gonna, Go for it. I'm just going to just reel off some some names. Um, Dale Kickett, Sean McManus, Paul Hazelby, Aaron Sandlands, um, Roger Hayden, Shane Parker, Clive Waterhouse. Um, he didn't play very many games, but I really liked Luke Toyer as well. Listeners at home, you can't see this, but Damo's actually just reading the tattoos on his body. <laughs> he has all his white face tattoos. purple. <laughs> I've always found, like, so it goes into my whole theory. Yes, I'm going to write a paper on this one. That the non-Victorian states that play football all have two teams. One is the good team. One is the evil team. And I think my favorite sort of matchup is Freo, Freo and West Coast. Um, because West Coast, very easy to hate team. I know they're at the bottom. I, I feel a bit bad for them. But over the run, can't stand them. Fremantle have always had such a soft spot for. Because all of your players seem like really decent fellas. They just seem kind of cool. I would like to hang out with Fremantle players. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to tell through like pitches and interviews and and Instagram photos, whether someone's good to hang out with on, 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 or not, because I'm because sh- I'm I'm sure other teams do a, do a good job of painting their players in in, in a positive light. But no, most other teams sound, seem like pricks. <laughs> but <laughs> true. But don't sell your club short. But I'm, I'm I mean, because we're in a because I'm in a two team town and. The West Australian is obsessed with everything that happens at these clubs and reports when someone farts at the moment. You, you, these stories that don't don't get hidden, whereas they might get at an at, a, at another club. So, for, like for example, let's go back to Jesse Hogan when 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 he was at the at, when he was at the at the, the club. Lovely guy 
came back to came back to, to WA, but he, he he had some trouble with his mental health, you know, and the media made fun of him for it. And then Willie Rioli fakes 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 a piss sample, and the newspaper says, "Oh, feel sorry for the guy. We can't pile on." And it's just kind of and there's like a different and so I don't think I don't think the good nature of the Fremantle players comes. I mean, they're all good natured players, but I think that they would have more freedom in their personal lives if the player if the if the newspaper that reported on these two clubs was a little more forgiving. And so these players have sort of been molded into these great young men because they haven't really had any 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 chance to to, to, to fuck up. That kind of like dovetails into a question I've been wanting to ask you this for a while, actually. So on social media, you're quite vocal, and I've enjoyed this because it's actually given me a bit of a different way to look at things, uh, about how the media reports on Fremantle, not just like the Western Australian, but like football media in, in, in Victoria. Nowadays, the last few years, obviously you've been doing, probably, probably speaking more about football with the more Victorians, like doing like Jock Reynolds podcast, footy mailbag and stuff like that, being part of the fantastic uh AFL draft Facebook's uh, group that we're in. Are there any kind of preconceived notions you're finding Victorians have about Fremantle that you've been like, the, the fuck are you talking about? Basically, based on the media that we get regarding the, the Dockers. Well, the media cares too much about how Fremantle manage their list. and But the media at the same time will say... Oh, Brennan Cox is out of contract. Why doesn't this team go and get Brennan Cox? Oh, Sean Darcy's out of contract. Why doesn't this team go and get Sean Darcy? And then in the same breath, they'll criticize the Dockers for not being able to hold on to these players and then wonder what and then wonder what's wrong with the with the, the culture. And then when Fremantle do hold on to these players, they tell Freo that they've made a huge mistake signing this player for for, for seven years. And it's just kind of like so do you want them to hold on to their players or 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 not or is this just a storyline that you're going to beat as a like are you going to beat a dead horse over 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 this and then and then claim that that and then and then claim that you've had the same opinion all all along it's like that's what the media seems to be across the board and then you get um people over over east who haven't really seen Fremantle play so they assume that Fremantle need a key forward. They assume that Fremantle need some big guns in the midfield. They assume that Fremantle need need a better defense. They assume that Fremantle are a young side. Whereas all they're looking at is stats and numbers with average age and all that going up and down. The Fremantle team that played last season isn't going to be much different to the one that plays in 2024. The, the, the difference is Travis Collier, Nathan Wilson and Joel Hamling all aren't at the club who were probably the the three, three of the only, only over thirties that were still at the club, apart from now, Nat Fife and, and and Michael Walters. So, so yeah, the average age has come down, but they haven't removed that that from the actual starting team. As a starting team, the team has actually gotten older by twelve months, and they've and they changed their their style of play midway through last season. Which this team has now played with Ford six and will be twelve months by the time this this new season rolls around almost. So I think that a lot of people only look at the stats and the numbers and who's coming in and out rather than how a team 
actually performs, especially in terms of the do- in terms of the Dockers. You tweeted, yeah, a few things around like trade period, and then when I was reading stuff, I was kind of like thinking about what you said. I'm like, fuck, they're beating up on Freo a, a bit here. It's a, was a bit bit much. Like I said, Dan, I'm going to soft stuff for you guys. I'm going to defend you. Well. The the line that I see a lot is they're never going to win a premiership if they do this. If they're never going to win a premiership if they do that, then it, and then they go look at all these teams that have won premierships. Look at what what they've done. The Dockers aren't going to win a premiership by playing like teams from the past who who have already won a premiership with that tactic. The Dockers need to stay ahead of the curve so that the next so that they are the next innovative team that won a premiership. Collingwood's list didn't look like a premiership list, but they won the premiership. Who knows what? Who, who knows what next year's list? What next year's list that wins the premiership is is is, is going to look like? It could be anyone because, like, who? Ha- it won't be us. <laughs> it might be you. You you, you. 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 don't know that. I know. I know. But but what I'm saying is that there's all these preconceived motions about like what a premiership list looks like. Whereas you, when you looked at Collingwood's list twelve months ago, that wasn't a premiership list. It is now. Still look but, at it but, now, but, and I think but it's not it, a premiership it, list. It, it wasn't twelve months ago. <laughs> Shouldn't have been an advantage. I don't. I still don't consider him a premiership. <laughs> so, Damo, we're going to take it over to Jesse to take us through some of your team's vibes, and we'll see. I'm interested to see if you agree. Uh, and Jesse has already stated very clearly that he's very pro purple, immaculate today. vibe. At Fremantle, okay? So, let's start with songs. Because we opened the show with some music. Damo, you like yourself some music. Fremantle has given us some great music. Going straight into the song. Look, there's history behind it. It was written by Ken Walter was involved. It's based on a rush. Don't give a shit. Old news, okay? Fremantle is looking to the future with their music, okay? They have one of the most contemporary songs at the moment. But they've had a few, and I'm going to. I'm a bit a bit inspired by a YouTuber I quite like, so um, I'm going to kind of do things a little bit different. I have four songs. We are going to listen to them. I will put a small snippet of each song. Um, copyright be damned. Uh, I'll put a small snippet of each song into the podcast, so listeners at home, you can can uh, have a have a bit of a cheeky listen to the best part of these songs. But I'm now entering the mode of Jesthony Montano, the internet's busiest podcasting nerd. And we're going to be talking about Fremantle's four songs. We have Frio Heave Ho, which was their song between 95 and 2011. Frio Way To Go, which is the song that had 2011 to present. And then they have two kind of guest musicians have come through. Past number one ticket holders, Tame Impala and Eskimo Joe have given it a crack at writing Fremantle songs. Not necessarily their theme song, but Fremantle songs. So first up, I want to start off with uh, Frio Heave Ho. We're going to give it a quick listen. I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you my review. All right, so we've just listened to the older Frio Heave Ho, the original 
song. What are our thoughts on that banger? I that's that's the song I remember three or four. Like it feels very nostalgic. But also being older and listening to it now, the guitar work. I just yeah. Chris, we like finally a- found a song that Chris likes. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Put it in the hottest one hundred. <laughs> Um, no, just like the distorted guitar at the start, but then all the random little solo parts was great. The and little then, bits behind the verse? Yeah. Like someone was cooking that day. Like they came in the studio and the guitarist was just like, hang on, like, like let me let me run with it. Uh, and then the little trumpets at the end that just randomly come in. Oh, great. Damo, what are your thoughts on your on your original song? So let me paint a picture for you guys, okay? Where in 2000 and three or four, 2003 or four, Justin Longmuir is on the field and he's lining up for goal. And this goal puts Dockers into the finals. He goes back, slots it, crowd's going fucking mental. The players are going mental. The fans are going mental. And then then this song just starts playing. Yes. Everyone in the stadium, young and old, were standing on the were standing on the Subiaco Oval seats, waving scarves, beanies, flags above their head. It looked like a mosh pit. I, I it really did look like a mosh pit. I I want to hear our full crowd sing this song because it sounds like something that the fucking not demeaning Fremantle fans anyway, but what the Orcs would fucking sing when they march. Okay, it's because this massive energy to it. Clark, you're a big fan of the uh, trumpets, aren't you? I was going to say the trumpets seem like they carried over to the newer version. Well, we'll like, get to the new version in a moment. I know, I know we're going to get to the new version, but I can see from this older version how it iterated to what it is now. But I will say the main chorus always reminds me of the song Cherry Pie. I don't know why, but the lyrics also fit. It did. Uh, and... I can see it's, the vibe. It, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's a good song. These are uh, this is these are the notes I have. I've listened to that song four or five times today. Punky guitar intro that starts shredding underneath the verses, like you said, Chris. Huge vocals, like you mentioned, Demo. Tonal shift medway through like their sleep token. Feels like the general vibe of the song is this the a painted van. With like a medieval knight and a bunch of bikini babes hanging off him. Okay, it just has this like weird late eighty sort of uh, to it. So it's so that vibe means it's definitely a Fremantle song because if you've ever been to Fremantle, that is almost how the population of Fremantle is. I'm a big fan of that backbeat section. Good bassline, fun horns towards the end. I'm giving it a strong seven. Now. That was a song between 95 and 2011. 2011, they started to change things up a little bit. And we got Frio Way to Go. A look, let's have a quick listen and we'll come back with our thoughts. We just had a listen to what we believe the new song is. Controversial pick. Uh, it's a bit hard to find the, the new version, but it's basically a shortened uh, rework of, of, of the classic. Damon, what do you think about the current song, Frio, Way to Go? 
Well, when the club changed their logo from the guy holding the anchor to the D around the anchor with the purple shield, a vote was put to members, should we change our song? And we had the original version, that new version, and two others. Um, And people chose the shortened one, which was the one that was the most widely panned by critics. So I... Stop the steal, recount the vote. It's it's got a mid to light f- it five. I, I've given it a four. I've given it a light light four. Chris Clarky, what do you think of that reworked version? That's when fine. when did Frio become the Rock Club? They've always had that vibe to them, and it's going to become more apparent in the next two songs we listen to. Um, the Dockers actually used to play TNT after their wins when they were playing at Subiaco Oval. I think I remember that. More like um, the Rockets, and, am I right? And they used to play it, like, after a... And it, to be honest, it was that as long as I can remember, and they still actually play it now. So they've been the rock club for quite some time. Speaking of... Well, I mean, look, my note for that, it's trimmed down, it's jaunty, it's poppier. The mix is quite nice. You can hear that guitar shredding a little bit more in the, in the um, verses. But I don't feel like I'm on a big steamship anymore, okay? It doesn't have those wharfy vibes to it. Any. It feels like it got sterilized like all of the club songs did. Yeah, I mean, look, it's still rocky, which I like compared to the traditional bullshit of other, other clubs. But like I said, a light four on that one. However, we did have two actual factual bands write songs for Fremantle, not necessarily theme songs, or one of them tried to be. Um, but uh, let's start with the... Uh, so with Eskimo Joe's take on the Fremantle song, they, which they did put up for consideration and was outvoted by the bullshit we just listened to. Let's have a listen. From the sea to the shore, hear the roaring. We will fight for the pride and the glory. Free 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 In the purple and the white, we will always win the fight. We are duckers, we are men. That rocks. That's pretty cool. Is that I a pretty good concept? That. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna go around the room here because Chris has some yeah. bullshit chicken nugget opinions again. Leave it, do you want to leave him to last or do you want to get this shit out of the way, <laughs> Jesse? So, uh, either way, I'm gonna cut it, so it doesn't really matter. Actually, we'll let the guests decide. Damo, do you want to sweep this off the stage or let him let him finish, let him cook? Damo, let's actually see. Yeah, let's see which way you went with it because if you if you liked it, we'll get Clarky's opinion. If you didn't like it, we'll get Chris's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we'll support you. Back in 2011, that's the one I would have voted for. Yes. And and, and I believe it's the one I did vote for. Now, <gasps> I th- I think it sounds too much like the other club songs. So it and I and I like that Fremantle's original song had them standing out a little bit from the crowd, whereas this song would have brought them back to the pack and I don't know if I enjoy it as much now because of that reason. Mm, okay, so you're actually kind of straight down the middle, so we're going to get everyone's opinion on it. Chris, say, what? <laughs> what do you want? I hated it. That okay, was cool. Just... Clarky, how about you? It was, it was <laughs> weak. It was plain. It was bland. It, the only good part was the horn section. That was The it. horn section is incredible. Just make your whole song horn section. Can I just stipulate that that isn't the song that... That was just a sample of the song, like a rough demo that they did, like just 
one Sunday afternoon that that, yeah, okay. that, that, that was that, my question that that, that they submitted f- as like a sample for people to to vote on. There would have been a full song potentially with a full band if people had voted for it. Exactly. So because no one fault. voted for it, there's that we've only got this sample demo which is kind of dated now. Disrespect the West Australian public gave to one of the most cherished musical acts, Eskimo Joe, is actually the reason why musical bands don't tour Perth anymore. Okay? It's sickening. Absolutely <laughs> sickening. <laughs> Clarky, what did you think of that? I thought it was good uh, as a proof yeah. of concept. Uh, I agree with Damo that it's definitely dated itself um, by being so minimalistic, but it's one of those things, right, where the heave-ho is really hard to but I think they also did a deep. I would say it puts it in line with. I think if a modern version of that came out, it would probably be close to like the Gold Coast theme song, which a lot of like a lot of people don't necessarily love. But I think the Gold Coast theme song really grows on you, right? Because there's something shit. melodic and it's more fun. Chris, shut the fuck up. I always thought the lyric was, <laughs> "We are the sons of the Gold Coast sun." I still think it's that. To be honest. But like my, I think I used to not like it as well. But it kind of grew on me because it was fun to sing, and I think that's that's as important as like it being musically, like music, not not competent, but like musically interesting. Okay, so my notes are the Frio Frio chant is good, but it does wear down a little bit. Horn section immaculate. You could do a good little drunken jig to it. Like I imagine, like Mary and Pippin dancing to it. Uh, mm. tr- like you said, traditional. It's a little bit too safe. However, it's true. Other club songs are traditional because they're based on old racist songs. This just had, like, traditional vibes to it. Um, And I really enjoyed Cav's voice on it. So I gave it a strong 6 out of 10. Obviously, I'll save the best one to last. Tame Parlor, an Australian musical actor I've never listened to that much. So I listened to them today. Quite pleasant. I will be listening to them more. But let's have a listen to Fremantle number one ticket holder, Tame Parlor's their version of the Fremantle song. That song slaps. I don't care what any of you guys have to say about it. I reckon that that is one of the best footy songs I've heard. Dama, what do you think? There's actually, there was a video released by the club when this first came out that made the song so much better because it was like a hype, it, it, it was like a hype track with like a hype video and all that. And on game day, the club actually, well, they run out to their anthem, but in the lead up to the opening bounce, this is actually playing and the Optus Stadium light show is going at the same yeah. time with the with the blokes standing on the roof with with the guitar and everything. So it's like it's a it's it's like a real game day experience. This this song has been made for a game day experience. So as a standalone song it is great. But actually experiencing it at the stadium before one of the games starting is another experience altogether. It has like the the drama to it that you need to like have a whole crowd getting into that that mood. But add the guitarist and the lighting on top of it. Mwah, beautiful. 
Chris, I negative. Go for it. Eh. It was just eh. Oh, I can't wait to talk about your shit team. Clark, how about you? <laughs> you're, you're not going to love what I have to say. All right, I'll cut it. Then. But, <laughs> but Damo actually pointed out my problem with it and the solution, which was it's not a club song. It's like a really, really good, like, run them out onto the field, fade it into the Frio song once they break through the banner. That's that's my, like, I think it's great as that it's a fine standalone song. I wouldn't say it's, like, an outstanding, like, club song, but I'm glad that they did it correctly, unlike another club that might be situated in the west of Australia that has a band do their theme song that is shit. Damo and Fremantle supporters listen to this. When you hear this criticism of the incredible Tame Impala, look, look, all the incredible songs we've just listened to, just realize the main criticism uh, is coming from two clowns who go from Melbourne and Western Bulldogs. Try uh, singing their songs. You can't. Nothing memorable about them. I'm giving a Tame Impala banger a strong 9 out of 10. Goes hard in the kick at the start. Sounds right when the team comes out. Has its ACDC vibes to it. Kind of, it's like anthemic. Uh, I really like the groove that kicks in on that second verse. It, it's very, 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 very good. So, Tame Impala, you've won the the Falcon musical chairs game, I assume. I'm going to call it that. Jessica Montano, Fremantle theme song, forever. Let's move on really quickly to your mascot, because you've had a few. 1995 to 1999, you had a, a little character named Grinder. He's a little, a, a little docker man. He looked like Popeye. He had a bit of, bit of a toothy snarl to him. Uh, he, he was a wolfy. I, I Google. I tried to find more pictures. I Googled Fremantle Grinder, and the results were interesting. Um, saw a lot of penis. Um, <laughs> Why did you Google that? I'm researching the podcast. Uh, 2002-2003, we had the doc. A blonde mascot with stringy hair. He, he looked like... Clive Waterhouse or Sean McManus, one of you, one of your faves, Damo. Two thousand three till present, we have Johnny the Doc Docker. Uh, again, blonde surfy dude because he's Fremantle, of course. But you may know him from our favorite show, Mascot Manor. Uh, <laughs> I think the major difference between the Doc and the new Doc is the old Doc had the stringy hair. Uh, Johnny the Doc Docker, his hair looks like it's made out of sixty-four slices of American cheese. Like, Google it, and it's just yellow triangles stacked on top of each other. Like, all right. I can't tell you the amount of uproar that happened when this guy was trotted out <laughs> as the new mascot. <laughs> Everyone hated it. But do you want to know why we had to change the mascot or why the club decided to change that the one. mascot? Because everyone thought the mascot was Sean McManus or David Mundy or Chris Mayne or, or one of those players. He was a little bit too realistic. He was a little too realistic, so that so we couldn't have him anymore. Apparently, and now we've got Johnny the Doc Docker. We've we've got his sister that's the AFLW mascot, and then we've got a Quacker as well for some fucking reason. Quok- what do you mean? What, what some reason? Quacker the Docker, Docker the Quacker, like it rhymes. Okay, <laughs> beautiful. Um, can I can I quickly ask a question? Because this has been mentioned on multiple episodes now, and I I don't know what it is. What is Mascot Manor? What am I missing out on? Oh, my God, Christopher. We're going to do a whole episode on this. So, Mascot Manor was a TV show. I can't what channel it was on, which was kind of like, it was in like early big, big, big Brother days, like when reality sort of fly on the wall TV was like the big thing. 
they created an animated cartoon for the kids, which had all of the mascots living in one house. It was meant to be like a, a Big Brother sort of vibe to it, where we would see how they would all like coexist, and they were said to be the epitome of their team. So like the Collingwood one would steal things, and the Collingwood one would do drugs, and the Collingwood one was awful. Like things like that represent the club. Um, the Western Bulldogs character was barely in it, I guess. Chris, I'm going to send you some clips to watch. I need you to do some research. Okay, because this is the first I've ever heard of this. Oh, you should listen to some of the past episodes you've been on, um, where I've mentioned <laughs> it before. <laughs> Can we? I think we need to bring. I think we need to bring back the little guy on the uniform. I think jobs are important in this economy. And <laughs> when they fired the when they fired the little fella, I was I was a little bit upset. My main note about the Guernseys, and Damo, I can see behind you, you have one of the, the old Guernseys that makes me very happy because I think they need to bring back the green. The green and purple, very good combination. I'm glad we're talking about colours. I need to tell you guys a story about when the club first came into the competition. Inaugural chairman, Ross Kelly, kind of did a kind of hoodwinked the, the, the AFL because Frio's main colour would have been royal blue if not for this guy. Did, did everyone know that there was a team called the Blues? <laughs> so, so, so Fremantle were directed by the AFL to utilize more than two colours in their jumper, and they settled on purple, green, and white before red was later added. Um, but instead of purple, it was royal blue, and it just and it looked it mm. it didn't look great. Um, anyway, he decided to send the hex code for the purple that the dockers now use claiming it was a mistake, but it all got accepted before anyone really noticed. And that's why the dockers are now, pur- and that's why the dockers are purple and not blue. Well played. I like that. I like a lot. Um, I just moving like to, to, to wrap up the, the vibes, which I think have been, like I said at the start, immaculate so far. Some uh, famous supporters of the club. We've got Eskimo Joe, Tame Impala, um, author Tim Winton, actor and singer Cassie Daly, Rove McManus, and Shaq. It's a good a, list. That's a good one to end on. I think that's, a fanta- that's an absolutely fantastic you've, group of supporters. You've missed one. I've missed a few, and I'm not going to mention a few of them. Ewan McGregor is a Dockers oh, fan. Oh, all right. Actually, I could also include there was a photo uh, of Kiss wearing the purple, but... I kind of see them as villains, so I didn't include it. But Ewan McGregor, I, I'll, I'll add it, and that is the best group of uh, famous supporters we've had so far. I have absolutely nothing negative to say about the Fremantle vibes. You're doing it well. I know someone that went through Europe, and they went to a, and it was during the footy season, and they went to a pub, and the man at the pub had like an Australian wife or or something, and. She, and he was saying that she told him that there are three clubs that she always sees when she travels. Fremantle, Collingwood, mm. and Sydney. Ugh. So Fremantle have international reach, and I think it's because Fremantle is a tourist town. I, I mean, I agree with that, but also you're that far away that I kind of consider that Fremantle is an international team. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, you're pretty far away. I can't lie. Uh, Through all the times I've travelled to Melbourne from Perth, it's felt like I'm flying across 
the the Pacific Ocean. So it really does feel like I I need like a stopover and a nap and something to eat at, at like half halfway there. Damo, don't do a stopover. The only place you can stop over is, is South Australia. Do not get off the plane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move it on, Chris. Let's get it quickly moving. Two, you got some history. Yes. Now, uh, Damo, generally we use this part of the podcast to talk about a team's premiership history and their last grand final win, a, a walk down memory lane, if Ba-bow. you will. Um, unfortunately, with Frio, that isn't a very enjoyable walk for you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I, so I, I said at the beginning, the Dockers managed to like time their runs at the worst possible time twice. Can I delve into that? Sorry to hijack your, but you, did, but you didn't mention premiership. So I want to, I want to say this because this is a theory that, that I've got. This is a, a sports theory. Um, <laughs> um, but like, so they didn't become a serious team until like the early thousands. Their early years were awful. They almost went bankrupt twice. And back then the AFL more, were more or less like, oh, well, that sucks. Thanks, thanks for coming. I mean, ra- ra- rather than how they are now with, oh, well, bail you out his list concessions and several millions of, of dollars. Back then it was just, oh, well, thanks thank, thanks, thanks for coming. They had a real competitive streak under Chris Connolly and then Mark Harvey and then Ross Lyon came in and gave us another four-year period of a real crack. But 2006 to 2010-ish, they tried to go up against Geelong. Yeah. Like, at, like. Mm. And, and and St Kilda and Collingwood and Geelong were like the three big clubs jostling for position in that period in that period and and like it's not that's not to say how dare other clubs be competitive but it's like could you not have timed your runs like at a better time because 2005 six Sydney and West Coast went went one and then the, and then the other but you you could argue there wasn't a real dominant team during that period that during that period during that period um, and then. And then, and then the same can be said for 2012, 2015. The Hawthorne three peat. 2013 wasn't as bad as people make it out to be, though, because the Dockers actually converted the same amount of scoring shots as Hawthorne, but there was a little more accuracy from the Hawks to give them the win. A few umpiring decisions people are still hung up on, but to be honest, I haven't watched it through enough times to remember any of them. 2016 to 2018 wasn't a hugely dominant period for any team. Sorry, Chris. Your dogs won the premiership from outside the top four. That says all it needs to. An anomaly. Yeah. Dominant. And (laughs) I'd argue that neither was 2022, 2023, like the last two years. The teams who have won the premierships aren't scary. Like they don't have that particular feel about them. Whereas Geelong in that time and Hawthorne in that time, going like timing the runs at the worst possible time twice. Damo. Fremantle didn't need to do what Essendon are doing. We're waiting for all other teams to become shit. Hey, we're biding our time. It will happen. <laughs> all teams will bomb out at one time. And yeah. Essendon will climb to the top of the pile. So that's what I'd suggest. Time it wisely. Stephen Bradbury. Exactly. Yeah. Friend of, friend of now, the show. Because you, you don't have any premiership wins, um, I do want to move on to something else. But before that, uh, did just want to touch on you've you've kind of mentioned this period a little bit there. Um, you made the grand final in two thousand thirteen, the only grand final that the club has made in its history. Uh, unfortunately, went down against Hawthorne um, by fifteen points. Finished third on the ladder. It was a pretty good season um, for you because I mean, 
it's such a, a rare thing these days for anyone to to go for a club and to have been there from the start and to experience that club's first grand final in history. What was it like for you as a supporter? So I remember. So the, the, there was the Sid, there was the game against Sydney in the prelim. We no one really gave Fremantle a chance in that prelim, despite. Sydney having to travel to Perth to play that game. Everyone thought it was a formality that it was going to be a Sydney versus whoever won the other game in the grand final. And then the Dockers got out to like a 10-goal start and then just held the margin to, 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 win, to win the game. And after the game, there was excitement. There were flight websites going down because of all the traffic from <laughs> Perth. There was there was all that sort, sort of stuff. People were booking buses. People were building live sites, people were all this sort of thing for the grand final. And I went to the live site in Fremantle. They put up a massive screen, um, like massive, massive screen. Everyone filled out Esplanade Park. Like that park was full of people watching this massive screen. And I remember getting severely sunburnt, so I wasn't happy for two reasons. Um, But watching that game – the most frustrating part was watching all of the missed opportunities in front in front of goal. So Nat Fife went out on the full through two scoring shots in the first like five, five, five minutes. Hayden Ballantyne was right in front of goal and kicked one across the face. Like th- they just weren't composed under pressure enough in that forward half. And to be honest, at halftime, it looked like the game was over. So to close the margin as far as they did and get as close as they did, was quite was was quite impressive. Ult- ultimately, though, I think the downfall of the game was well. Hawthorne were probably the more dominant team anyway, because and they went on to, to win a three peat. But there was also the substitute that I think caused a lot of issues. So Lockie Neal was the substitute in that game. It was his first or second season with the club, and he was subbed in for Zach Clark, who was the second tall forward at the at the time. Once Zach Clark went off, that that allowed Brian Lake to completely roam free. He did not have a matchup. And Brian Lake eventually won the Norm Smith medal in that game. So I think there were coaching mistakes, play like mistakes from players. I think the game was just a big ball of stress for everyone involved, which didn't help the club at all and, and eventually led to the club losing that grand final so i'm sitting there at esplanade park getting burnt watching my club lose a grand final and you can't walk through Fremantle to get to 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 the bus station or the train station to go home i had to go into the perth city then out to the western suburbs and then home and i was hot i was sweaty i was angry i was i was wearing a dockers jersey on top of a shirt after the Dockers lost, I actually took the jersey off and folded it up and, and put it in my, in, my, in, in my pocket. Like that's 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 the kind of feeling I I had after that day. But like the city turned purple. There were roads that were painted. There were there was live sites everywhere. You could not go anywhere without any, someone talking about Fremantle or being painted purple or any or something like that. And how quickly all of that came down after the Dockers lost was was almost more heartbreaking than the loss itself. Like the city, the city took away its support as soon as the Dockers lost. And what's worse was the West Australian was kind of like, we knew this would happen. They weren't good enough from the very beginning. It's and, 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 <laughs> and that just, and yeah. And 
Unfortunately, didn't get back there. The best opportunity after that was 2015, which you might talk about later. But yeah, I just it was just a it was just a god awful great experience. Like great to experience it because now I know what it feels like. And if it happens again, I'll be like, oh, I've felt felt this before. But great experience being with all these fans that that I didn't I didn't realize how many people supported Fremantle. Some of them would have come out of the woodwork for it, but. I didn't realize how many people were happy to see Fremantle succeed or, or want Fremantle to succeed. So it kind of had, there was good that came out of it and there was bad that came out of it, but ultimately it was just a shit day. I would like to say that I remember that game, but uh, I was at Jesse's house watching him try to move an antenna the whole time whilst I tried to see the football through static and little pixels. So. I'm pleading the fifth. So... <laughs> I said I was at the live site, massive screen. We lost signal about three times in the first half, and to be honest, the first half wasn't great, so it didn't. So it, it was fine. But Jesse, you weren't the only one having signal problems. See, see, <laughs> look, I I ran it as bad as well as the city of Perth did. Okay, so <laughs> equal. Uh, now, 2013 actually kicked off a, a pretty successful little period for the club. Um, went on to finish fourth on the ladder in 2014. Unfortunately, went out in straight sets in the finals. Uh, however, that eventually led to your first minor premiership and your only minor premiership in the club's history in 2015, finishing first on the ladder and and winning the first finals, securing the bye before unfortunately losing the prelim once again to Hawthorne. Bit of a bit of a we uh, all hate Hawthorne there. Yeah. Um, looking back on that successful period, I wanted to know. Is there anything that you thought could have been done in those three years to secure that elusive flag? Like, was there, you spoke about kind of coaching uh, mistakes made in the grand final, but was there a particular position you were lacking in that could have been recruited for but wasn't? Was there something that was missing that could have been done back then? There was no support for, for Matthew Pavlich. They should have given Matthew Pavlich way more support in his in his prime. There was no support. They They tried Kepler Bradley, who was fine, but wasn't a good foil. Um, but c- can I be completely honest? The one position that I thought was really lacking was the club's list manager. Chris Bond had no friggin' clue what he was doing to, to build a list. And he would, and I remember when he went, when he reckoned he secured Mitch Clark from, uh, from, was it, um, what from the, from Brisbane, Apparently, Mitch Clark said he was the most unprofessional list manager that had approached him the entire time that he was un- uncontracted because he assumed that because Mitch Clark was from WA, that the Dockers had him. So I think the biggest problem that the Dockers had the whole time that during during that period was that their list manager was incapable of securing a big enough name to bring the club forward. Like the biggest name the club brought in in that time was Daniel Pierce. Friend of the show. <laughs> nothing else. He's done nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I mentioned earlier that I was I was keen to just touch on that period and then move on to something a bit different. Um, now, I don't know if you've listened to our previous episodes, but historically, the issue is usually when I, I use some time to, for lack of a better word, take the piss out of the guest a little bit and make him a little bit angry. But I'm not going to do that to you, Damo. Chris, your new, your new thing is making it's everyone angry all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not going to do it to Damo. 
Uh, I didn't think the, the was that in the brief, Jesse? I don't know. Chris has gone wrong. <laughs> Uh, no, I wanted to talk about uh, the real success of the Fremantle Football Club. Uh, and for that, I have two things to say to you, Damo. One, where's the Fife? And two, give me the Fife. <laughs> uh, that's it. I'm, I'm keen to spend a little bit of time talking about one of my personal favourite players of the modern era. Um, being a, not a Fremantle supporter, I in his prime, I absolutely loved watching him play. Um a man I'm sure we've all got a, love, a lot of love for, two-time Brownlow medalist Nat Fife. So specifically, I want to talk about his two Brownlow medal winning seasons, 2015-2019. Uh, and firstly, before we get into those Brownlow years, what does Nat Fife mean to you as a supporter? He was the first real big-bodied midfielder that Fremantle had. I could, I, I would probably say he was the one that sort of brought the team's game plan into the 21st century. In, in the 21st century. Um, the Dockers' first coach, um, Jared Neesham, was actually a water polo coach. So he would so he would use water polo tactics with the club, which I don't know, like it didn't work. Shock and horror. Um, and then- <laughs> When he was out there with a horror, he's being like, no, I got an idea. I'd be like, mate. <laughs> like I just, just I just, I, I like, I don't know why, like, like Jared, like, I don't know why a water polo coach was coaching a football team and making list management decisions. He told Andrew McLeod to get <laughs> fucked. So, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> so I just, so as soon as this guy was gone, the club was a real club all of a sudden. And like I said, the club didn't really truly become competitive until 1999. And coincidentally, that that was around the time when he stopped co- coaching the club. So Nat Fife, let's talk about Nat Fife. Um, I remember being there for his first um his first game and I remember he 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 looked like the Nat Fife that we have now just skinnier and with a 13 on his back and I remember every, pe- people in the crowd saying things like give him a break he's got the anchor on the front and the 13 on the back could you be any more un- un- be any more unlucky <laughs> like that, 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 that kind of thing. But he was just, he was in everything. He was up forward. He was in the, like, he was courageous as they come. And yeah, when, when he bulked up a bit, went in the midfield, brought the game plan in, into the 21st century, it, it was, it was finally a player the club could build around. Um, and if it wasn't for the list management team overruling Mark Harvey, the Dockers would never have drafted Nat Fife because they were really into Ryan Bassanak. Sorry, because Mark Harvey was really into Mark, Ryan Bassanak and uh, they wow. overruled him and thank fuck for that. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know those two were like compared at any point. That's a real Lance Franklin, Richard Tambling situation. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, Jesus. You. You mentioned a word there uh, to describe him, courageous, and I, I think that that's probably one of the, the best descriptions of Nat Five. I personally have not seen, I won't say any others, because I'm sure there are others that I can think of, but many other midfielders and big-bodied midfielders who are as aerial, aerially attacking as what he is, where he just crashes packs, he he takes insane marks, like not speckies, but just insane marks where he just gets so much height and he reaches the the ball at the peak of its height. And 
I haven't seen a, a big-bodied midfielder quite like him in that mold that I can really think of, and that's what I remember from his specifically from his early seasons. I remember watching some of his early seasons and just thinking, "This kid's going to be so good." Yeah. So when he was drafted, he was initially drafted as a forward. He was 180, uh, 188 centimeters or something, but he was, but he was like. 70 kilos or like 65 kilos or something like he was a he was a he was like a stick but the the highlights of him were he was taking like all of his highlights in his draft year was him taking speckies on people in 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 the in the goal square and going back and slotting it so he, so he he always had the aerial nature about him but the fact that he was been able to bulk up become a contested midfield beast and keep his aerial ability with his leap and his marking and all that is really quite amazing and and to be complete and to be completely honest with you I actually compare Nat Fife a lot to how Nat Fife then like when he was in his prime to how Marcus Bontempelli plays now I was going to say if there was anyone I could compare to it, it would probably be Bont. They're, they're similar yeah. in the, that height, that big-bodied midfielder, but they're, they're just so aerial and, and just the leap it, and, yeah. It's not just that. I think it was when it comes to leadership, they're two players who will pick up the team and just say, let's do it. Yeah, 100%. Five yeah. will go down as one of our all-time favourite players. He's, he's a gun. I don't think anybody else could pose shirtless with a Brownlow medal and not look like a wanker, he did it. And it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Hells yeah. Win another one, man. <laughs> he just, well, he's the most Western Australian person you could make. He just looks like he represents the area. I I, I love him. We'll, we'll, we'll speak about those Brownlow years. So 2015 was obviously the year that when you, you won the minor premiership. Um, and I personally remember this as being one of those years where everyone just kind of expected Nat Fife to win the Brownlow. Um, it was kind of one of those boring years going into it where, barring an outsider coming from absolutely nowhere, we all pretty much knew what was going to happen. We all expected that it was going to be a Fife win in the Brownlow. Um, and for good reason, because he was incredible in 2015. Um, he... Won the Brownlow by, with 31 votes, beat the 2014 winner, Matt Prittis, by three votes. Um, and incredibly, when I was looking this up, of his 31 votes, he polled 29 of them during a 12-week period from round two to round 14, Jeez, which is just insane. Christ. Yeah. Um, also, how weird is it that, look, Matt Prittis, no offense to you, buddy, how weird would it have been <laughs> if he won two Brownlows? Yeah. That would have been very hard, strange. Well, I remember the year that he did win it. He was like 40 to 1 or something in the odds. Yeah. He was a, a real outsider. He's good. Um, so along oh, with the Brownlow in 2015, <laughs> along with the Brownlow in 2015, Jesse. he also picked up his second successive Liam Matthews Trophy as the league's MVP and his second successive All-Australian jacket. Um, can you talk us through a bit how it was being a Fremantle supporter in 2015 and just watching a player have such a dominant year and lead your team to its first minor premiership? He was hungry. He well, so we lost 2013, uh, went out in strain sets in 2014. He was a hungry, hungry man. He wanted that premiership in 2015, 
and he was our dominant force throughout throughout most of the season and it, and I don't and you I think you'll remember at the awards night he actually turned up with a cane because he broke oh, that was yeah. the that he had the because cane because he yes. broke his leg in that in that prelim final yeah. which 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 meant that the Dockers didn't have that midfielder for like the last one and a half quarters or or whatever which was essentially what created the gap in the game to give Hawthorne the win um and so I genuinely think if Nat Fife was on the field to to end that game, the Dockers might have gone one further. Um, I don't know if they would have won that grand final, but I generally think they could have gone one one further if he was still fit and able to finish that that game. But all throughout the year, he was the dominant force in 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 the in the midfield. There was Batman and Robin, him and Lockie Neal in in the in in in, in the middle, and. That was the year. If there was going to be another year where where the Dockers went for the, the grand final, it would have been that year, and it would have, would have been because of him. Moving on from 2015, he did win a second Brownlow in 2019. Four years later, uh, in contrast to 2015, Fremantle as a team didn't have anywhere near the same amount of success this year. Uh, he finished 13th on the ladder. However, Nat did have an insanely good season. At culminated in becoming the 15th player in VFL AFL history to win two Brownlow medals. Um, and he was also named the All-Australian captain for the first time in his career in the same season. Looking at that season, it's crazy to think what I just said about 2015 where that 12-week period, he, he polled 29 votes. But in 2019, he set a career high for disposals and also a career high for disposal average sitting at 29 per game. So it was another insane year. He also, as Jesse alluded to earlier, set social media alight on the morning after the Brownlow with his now infamous shirtless picture, which went viral. Um, for me, and not taking anything away from, not taking anything away from the 2015 win, but personally, this one was almost the more impressive of the two purely because Frio as a team had a bad year, only nine wins, finished thirteenth. I personally just find it more impressive when a player is able to kind of rise above that and set career hides in their in their disposals despite their teammates not playing as well rather than a season where they finish first and everything kind of goes right. I almost liken it to when Gary Ablett won the Brownlow at Gold Coast where team was a shambles, but he was just setting the competition on fire. Um, was f- For that 2019 season, was Fife's huge season and the Brownlow win kind of like a bright light for you as a supporter? Yeah, it was, and it, and it, and it showed that he let – he wanted success, and he wanted the club to follow him in in, in into a successful period. 2016, 2017, 2018, the club fell off a cliff. And 2016, they won four games, and then 2017, 2018, um, they just they just looked awful. They 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 essentially re, re, rebuilt um, during those three years. And 2019 was the first year where we thought we might see some dividends from really investing in the draft, but didn't quite work out that way but I remember in 2019 there were lots and lots of games where you'd reach the end the Dockers lost but best on ground 10 votes from the coaches three votes from whoever it was on the radio or the tv that was doing the voting best player Nat Fife three votes Nat Fife 10 coaches votes Nat Fife like he like the issue was the club couldn't go with him despite how dominant that he was being and 
Matthew Pavlich wasn't in the forward line. They really had no one to kick to in the forward line. Um, they were still trying to work out what they wanted their defense to be. They really didn't have – they were lacking in key position across the ground at this point in their development. So they had just drafted um, Brandon Cox. They just drafted Alex Pierce. They just drafted those players, but they were still raw and weren't really dominant or weren't really at the point where they are now. And then um, – and that was and that was essentially the um, – the start of the list that they have built for themselves now. And unfortunately the he's kind of gone, gone past it a little bit. Hopefully a, a little. He, a, yeah. A, a, a gust of wind seems to injure him at the, at the moment, but <laughs> he's left a massive imprint on this club and the club wants him to stick around as long as he wants to. So I think he still thinks he has something to offer and, it really wouldn't surprise me if he, as if after he retires, he remains within the football department in some way, shape, or form. Look, if it gets to the point where Fife walking out to that team parlor banger with his cane, maybe <laughs> let's just call it a day. Um, no, I agree. He's uh, he'll he'll. I th- I think that the fact that he decided to stick around because I. Th- was it last year, the year before, he was getting offers from rival teams and Frio gave him the, the two-year deal to basically kind of say, like, stick around, finish your career here. I think that that's what will make him really go down as a club legend. Oh, yeah. and he'll always be part of the Frio fabric um, going forward. And um, speaking of, of a person who, who embodies the club, it's a nice little segue into everyone's favourite segment, uh, which I think we've basically already done it. Just... Put Nat Fife in every category. Yeah, it's just Nat Fife for the Falkenstein. Oh no, I've Clarky. Intru- I'll let you introduce it, but I I've got the. Per- I love I've, you're I've the got- first guest we've had who's prepared. I, I I had to. I I had to. I had listened to your previous episodes, and I was like, "Oh, what would I do for this?" I like you listen to the previous episodes. I'm like, I'm not letting these clowns take over. This is one I prepared earlier. Yeah, this is. I've already. I've just. I'll bring my custom mapped out player and just plug it into the console. You guys don't mind if I play with uh, my custom controller as well? Is that all right? Clarky, introduce the people to the segment they want, the segment they need. That's right, baby. It's the Falconstein. We're here. We're here. So, we build the ultimate Fremantle football club player using the head, which is denoted by vibes and hair, the body, tackles and strength, arms, marks and handballs, legs, kicking and endurance, and a special ability modifier, which has turned out to be the worst thing that we did to the Falcons. Can I can, can I make a request? Absolutely. Can I have can I have two modifiers? You can have twelve. Oh, I don't give we, we have like yeah. eighteen the other week. I think because yeah, the player like, had like yeah. a different arm, a different leg, like it was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, different strands it. of hair. Demo, it's made up, baby. That's the best thing we can do. One whatever. day you will make one of these. One day. Who knows? It's going to okay. be a random choice. But- so, Damo, kick us off with the head, the vibes, the hair. Okay. Who, who have you got? I want, I want David Mundy's head. Yes. But I want, yeah. but I want the, sa- I, 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 I want the hair of that 2001 to 2008 mascot. <laughs> Just a little bit of yellow string. So, so, so I, I want like the Chris Main hair, the David Mundy hair, the Sean McManus hair. You know that kind of 
that kind of per- that the golden perf what, hair. that golden yeah, yeah, what was the blonde grinder or whatever <laughs> no that was that, that was the old guy um oh. uh, but i want like the golden blonde perm flowing locks so, okay so you want david mundy with like like young owen wilson hair just to take it out of football immediately <laughs> Kind, I mean, but but like more more, more curls. All right, we can give a bit wow. of curl, put a bit of humidity. Fremantle has a lot of options for the hair. Like you've Beautiful got Mundy Fife for the for the hair. I, I I also could have gone for like Ben Cunningham's afro, but he only played like four games, and no one knows who <laughs> who, who he is. I, I I could have gone for Alex Pierce's flowing locks. I could have gone for I could have gone for Michael Johnson's dreadlocks, but I've gone for. The flowing blonde locks that Mundy McManus, yeah. all those players iconic. had, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, iconic to the point where it's, it's now on the mascot. I, I was yeah, gonna say, I'm I looking agree. at your club now, and there's not many like Jordan Clark's shit mullet. Luke Jackson's been there for 20 minutes. James H, he's grown his hair. I didn't know it's good, good stuff, buddy. Um, <laughs> he has the same haircut as Hayden Young. Look, there's nothing. Remarkable. Here. It's Alex Pierce and then a cliff. Yeah, so no, I, I think it's a good choice. Monday smile. You gotta have Monday smile on that face. So I reckon that's all right. Have a. I think body is gonna be pretty easy. Body Matthew Pavlich. Okay, wasn't as easy as I thought. I, I thought you were gonna go five. Um, uh, was Pav known for his tackles? And strength. Well, he was. He 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 was all Australian six six times in four different positions. Okay. I don't. I didn't know. I'd argue against. He was he he was centre half back, midfield, centre half forward, and on the interchange. All, and 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 he was all Australian six 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 times. And he also saved a dog from a burning <laughs> building. I have a question to ask, and this is going to affect future Falcon signs. Does body include the height of the torso? Because I think Sandlin's body would be very funny. Okay, so so <laughs> we're we building. No, no, a no, 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 no. Okay, so my modifier. So I'm going to bring oh, in one of the modif- So one. Of, so one of the modifiers was this player is 211 centimeters tall. So the, the so that's that, that's that's one of the modifiers. Can we also give it turf toe? <laughs> For some sure. reason, when I think of Aaron Sandlins, I just think of that time that he had turf toe for like Which time. He had half like four hundred times in that. No, it's just, it, it 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 comes with the modifier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I think this is a given. The modifier is that this player has to be shirtless and have a brown low. <laughs> okay, sure. I was going to say yeah. plays guitar on the roof. <laughs> All right, now we've got arms, Pretty marks, anyway. and handles. Uh, Fife's arms. And yeah, the guns, the pythons. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't really think of anyone else there because I mean, look again, Lockie Neal. We spoke about him when it came to answer Brisbane, yeah. but he he really flourished at, at Brisbane, obviously. Yeah, when he when Lockie Neal went to Brisbane, he was out of Fife's shadow, and that's when he really yeah. came came alive as a, as a, as a player. Uh, and then we got what a coward. legs kicking and running. Okay, Chris Main's legs. Because Chris Maine had, because Chris Maine was good field kick, good in front of goal, and his quads were massive. They, yeah, fair enough. Can I? This is the most compliments Chris Maine's ever heard about himself. I'm going to edit them all out. Um, (laughs) Can I make a suggestion here, though? Yes. Can what leg does Jai Amos kick with? The lefty or righty? I whatever he is. 
I would I would say that Chris Main is as accurate, if not better, than Jai Amos. But I don't like Chris Main. <laughs> I like that Jay sounds a- like a jo- you problem. <laughs> Damo, this podcast could be renamed Jesse's problem. Okay, this is where I vent my frustrations with football. Okay, and my frustration with football is Chris Main. Jai Amos, I'm a big fan. Plus, good jokes about his surname. I'm just, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Doesn't miss. Hey. Chris was the main man. I've been out punned. You have the floor, Damo. Doesn't he was the often. he was the main focal point in that forward line. Yeah, and then you got rid of him. So you're going with Chris Main's uh, luscious thighs. Is that what we're picking? To be fair, no. The, the Dockers didn't get rid of Chris Main. Collingwood offered Chris Main a, a contract in in free agency, thinking he was David Mundy. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Now, modifiers. We already have the 211 centimeters tall, or as we have come to know it, the Sandalands gene, and it comes with turf toe. Yeah. Um, we've got the, the shirtless modifier, uh, yep. which includes Brownlow. Okay, so- I, I, I have a modifier that I need to explain. It's called the Hunchback Run. <laughs> <laughs> so... The bells. So, the bells. So, it, so, <laughs> playing yourself, Damien. If if you look at players like Shane Parker, Scott Thornton, Kepler Bradley, um, even Nathan O'Driscoll currently has it. Luke Ryan has it a little bit. They all run with their head kind of cocked forward and their shoulders like up and back and then that and that's how they run. And it's and it and it makes them look like they've got like a hunchback. So what we're eventually making right now is a is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> Which is funny because I was gonna mention earlier, Chris, the way we mentioned the Sandlands gene, how it has good things, it has bad aspects, reminds me of when you used to play that Jurassic Park game on um on Twitch. I guess the mess of the genes of the dinosaurs. So, yes. Okay. We're going to make... Um, <laughs> what do you prefer? Velociraptor? No, it's going to be... Sandlands gene. It's going to be Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, all right. We're going to make the first Fremantle dinosaur. <laughs> we didn't say it has to be a human. Just said it has to play. <laughs> There's no rule here that says dogs can't play football. Sorry, Dad. Five, your arms are a lot shorter now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Jesse, do you want all to right. take us through our Falcons? So, stuff? we have... David Mundy's head, but the hair of the 2001 to 2008 mascot, which is sort of a golden perm sort of thing. However, I know you mentioned a lot of real-life plays we could base off, but the first thing you said was mascot, so I am going to imagine that this hair is made out of felt. Uh, the body, Matthew Pavlich. <laughs> like a Muppet? Ma- Matthew Pavlich played in four, uh, four positions. Did not know that. Arms, Nat 5, absolute pythons. Uh, legs. And what something I still convinced is a typo. We got Chris Main there uh, because he has these massive ham hocks for legs. Merry Christmas! For the modifiers, the Sandlands gene has infected our poor player's soul. 2011's, two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. No, you know, fuck it. Two thousand eleven centimeters tall, but he has turf toe. So what can you do? Uh, shirtless modifier, which comes with a bonus brown low, uh, and of course a hunchback run. <laughs> <laughs> what Kaki wrote runs wrong, uh, which has made this person into a Tyrannosaurus Rex. He runs. Uh, don't king, run good. King of dinosaurs, uh, thunder lizard, terrible lizard. So that is we our made a player that's maxed out ninety nine on stats, but <laughs> runs wrong. That is our uh, Fremantle Falconstein. Thanks, Damo. 
It's you. You know what? You came in so prepared, and I was really <laughs> excited. I was like, "This is, this is good. This is you know, like I know Damo. Like it's going to be really sensible." And then <laughs> we have created something that a dinosaur will be. Yeah. <laughs> Can I suggest one thing? It's not a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's a Velociraptor, and that claw toe is a turf toe. Yeah. Okay. Deal. Life finds a way, Life Jesse. Finds a way. Life finds a way. <laughs> now, Damo, we do like to end off the show by asking you about your wonderful Fremantle Dockers future aspects. Now, what do you think it's going to take for 2024 to be the year of the heave ho? <laughs> what, Jesse? You got phrasing <laughs> was so good. <laughs> well, last year it was so close. Like last season was so close that even though they finished down like 14th, they were only like two and a half wins out uh, out from sixth place or, or sixth place or something. So they only need to convert some of those close games into the other direction to to sort of put them up the ladder a bit. And I don't think that that and I think that they're going to improve. I think that they have to improve. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make finals in twenty twenty four. I don't know how far they get in finals this for 2024 but i think the club's vision to have a premiership by 2025 i mean i love that the club has given themselves high expectations and i don't think they will be that far off it if 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 they miss out by the end of that season okay so feel you're feeling good uh, and i like that because it's it's really hard to go into a new year i think being positive especially when your team is in that bottom half so that's actually Really refreshing to hear because I was kind of expecting 2023 was a bit of an anomaly for Frio. You yeah. weren't as bad as your position indicated. Yeah, I think a, I think a lot of us agree with that. There was quite a few games where the Dockers lost by under a couple of goals. So, like, I would just give you a heads up, though, Damo. You're starting to justify this season like an Essence supporter did and, and does and and do. That's how I see it. Okay. Don't get stuck in that cycle of we only lost a couple of goals. Jess, Je- Jesse, we 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 have a connection. Did did you know this? Essendon's last finals win came against Don't Fremantle. All right, cut that, cut that. Don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> let's not talk about <laughs> Essendon finals. All right. It, but 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 Jesse, <laughs> Dockers made finals for the first time two thousand three. Essendon ended their finals by and that was the last time that Essendon won a final. Ah, so it's your fault. Thanks, Rio. You knocked us out of the finals and now you're cursed. And rightfully so. (laughs) Damo, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. It's been it's been a really good one. Now, Damo, where can people find you? What are you doing? What what if people want to hear more of your beautiful, beautiful tones? Well Clarky, you sit in this position when I host the Footy Mailbag, which is a Supercoach podcast. That's right. My feet up on the dashboard, <laughs> hand out the window, doing like a little wavy thing with the air pressure. It's good. I also have a YouTube channel where I document my Supercoach season, both BBL and AFL. Um, it's going very slowly at the moment because I'm still trying to work out how I want to do the content, but it's there's some videos there that you can look at if you want to um <laughs> at, the, at, at the moment i'm just you want to. At, 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 at the moment though I'm, I'm not sure why people want to because i haven't quite 
I'm I'm not happy with it with anything that that, that that's gone up yet. But I think it's just because I'm such a perfectionist. So and until I work out the best way to do that content, I'm going to always. I'm going to not like some of the early stuff that comes out, but I think a lot of people can say that about lots of things that, that they've done. Um, and you'll see me rambling on Twitter about sport. So at Damo SC That's on right. Twitter, X, That's right. whatever at it's called. Damo, yeah, Damo SC. Go follow him on YouTube. Go follow the footy mailbag because I'm also there. And definitely, definitely follow Damo on Twitter. He posts some really good stuff during the football season. and. He is one of the big boys of BBL as well. He is single hand, not single, sorry, not quite single handedly between you and Azza, but very, very clearly guided my the hand throughout all the, BB, all the BBL seasons because I don't know anything and you explain it real good. Now, the rest of us, you can find the Falcon on Twitter and Instagram at Falcon Footy Pod. We're Falcon Footy Pod on yeah. everything. Also got a link tree, Falcon Footy Pod. You can find that. You can also find us individually. Chris is at Lowry underscore 16. Jesse is at Jesse Spanner. And I'm at Quantum JC. Now, we're part of the Story Mode Podcast Network, so you can check out our sister shows, Love Letters, yes. hosted by Jesse. We've got our uh, end of uh, year awards episode coming out. Ooh, next week. I'm going to say oh, next week because who knows how lazy I'll be after Christmas. It'll come out soon. By end of year. You're full of, full of chicken. Full of chicken full and of, ham. Full of all that Christmas food. Uh, and also Dialogue Options is a wonderful video game podcast if you're into that. Now, listeners, by the time you hear our next episode, Christmas will have passed. So if you celebrate, I hope you have a wonderful festive season. If you don't, I hope you enjoy the time off. But make sure you do something with the people that you love and you do it safely and you go and really enjoy the end of 2023. It's been and give your family the greatest gift of all, a suggestion to listen to the Falcon, like and subscribe, Grandma. <laughs> gift cards aren't needed. Just write it on a piece of paper, Falcon Footy Pod. <laughs> at Falcon Footy Pod, they'll Put find the us. Chris in Chris Kringle and give them the gift of the Falcon. Yeah. And a box of frozen chicken nuggets. <laughs> Thank you so much, listeners. We'll see you next Peace. week. See ya. Peace. Excellent.